Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 115 of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, way out west in uh, the cooler part, literally the cooler part of the country. It's Justin, the Professor Anderson. Justin, what's up, man? What's going on? How are you? Hi. <laughs> Hi, Patrick. <laughs> I'm doing well. I went uh, went out for a walk this afternoon when the game was was wrapping up. Uh, yeah. I missed the, uh, the the shit show of the top of the ninth, which we'll talk about in our game recaps. But I, I thought maybe the game was just going to end, so I just went for a quick little lap. It's a nice sunny day out here in Saskatoon. I need to de-stress a little bit from watching the Briar um, because yes. Team Saskatchewan is currently playing in the semifinal. I don't want to say any scores because it just makes the episode age quickly uh, but yeah they're playing the semi-final hoping that the boys can end the uh 41 year drought here today it'd be awesome to see the saskatchewan win the briar for for once in my lifetime <laughs> it's hard to believe it's been that long because man way back in the day saskatchewan always they, uh, like, powerhouse they fielded, yeah they fielded great they've always teamers. had great teams it's just like we're always the bridesmaid never the bride in this thing or the, the groomsman and never the groom <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah. I was just trying to think of that analogy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to watch uh, like any of it because I don't have TSN. But I did see that Dunstone uh, uh, squeaked a couple wins uh, at the end there and knocked out some pretty potent teams. And uh, the good news is that if you're following our friend Devin Haru. yeah, he, uh, the foray into curling, it's not the over. curling guy <laughs> because. After this week, next week, it's the mixed doubles, and a lot of the teams in the men and the women's field combine together, uh, Voltron style, to form <laughs> super teams, which is kind of nervous. Um, but if you want to check out a super team up yourself, you can always check out Bad Flips and Maple Dips on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. We are on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts. Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. And you can check us out at BF, or sorry, at our new website, uh, bfndpodcast.com. Brand hammer new. Uh, <laughs> not much up there yet, but if you want to send us a question, you can do so on our website. Uh, Justin, the Professor Anderson, uh, take us right into the news. We'll talk some Jay's results today. And uh, mostly who's hot and who's not. And uh, let's just say a couple of surprises in there. I'm, I'm actually really excited about today's episode. Yeah, not, not much for news this week. We've, we've been keeping everybody pretty up to date with recording every few days. So um, we are just going to talk briefly about Nate Pearson. He is beginning to throw bullpens. He's thrown one so far. Scheduled to likely throw another one here either, either it's either gonna be today, which is Sunday, or sometime early this week coming week. And after that, they will see how he's progressed and either try to get him into some like sim games on the backfields or actually get him back into some game action. Um with it being now the uh, 14th of March, there's like I think 19 days until opening day now. There's just not enough time to get him ramped up and ready to go to be a starting pitcher for opening day. So he's likely going to have to even stay behind at say in Dunedin at the alternate site. I mean, I guess they're staying, we are staying in Dunedin. Oh, great. That's perfect. So he's going to stay and just throw <laughs> some more, uh, some more games to the minor league guys who are at the alternate site, which will be at the Jays backfield complex. Super convenient that they just finished building that because it's going to get heavy usage this year. And it's going to be there so that he can just get himself ramped up, ready to go. And then join the rotation probably mid to late April. That's really all we got to talk about for news. 
Anything to add on Nate Pearson, Patrick? I think I think we've reached a point now. I mean, we kind of knew two weeks ago this is the way that things were going to progress. But I, I've reached a point where, to me, I, I, I'm just accepting the fact he's not going to be with the team for the foreseeable future. And then just, let's just work with what we've got. There's a lot of quality pitchers on this team already. I don't know that Nate Pearson, in his current form, is ready for the show. So... Yeah, I don't see this as like it's not a mega huge loss. When he's ready, he'll be great, uh, but he's not ready, so it's all good. Take your time, rehab back. <laughs> yeah, get him up, get him ramped up so he's able to pitch with endurance for five, six innings. Um, getting into the results on the twelfth of March, the Pirates defeated our Blue Jays two to one. Thomas Hatch made his spring debut. He threw two innings, gave up a run on a couple of walks with two strikeouts, threw 34 pitches, only 18 for strikes. Uh, Location was a little bit off in that game for Tommy Hatch. Uh, Our boy uh, Tommy Malone came in and threw one and two-thirds innings, gave up a hit, a couple of Ks. Jays only had four hits on offense, and it was a pretty dull game that was over in seven innings. Tom Hatch makes his debut, Patrick, a guy that we could still see either in the bullpen, but it sounds like the Jays are going to stretch him out during April as starter depth, or else he'll be a debut at Buffalo in May. Um, Do you see Tom Hatch with any potential of cracking the rotation on this team right now? No. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's not that I don't think he's capable of it. It's just, again, we saw what he was able to do in relief. I just don't understand the idea of, like, why mess with this? Why, why, like, if we know he can be effective in two to three innings, like, let's win some baseball games. Let's do it whatever way we have to do. If we have to have bullpen days every five days, fuck it. Let's just do it. I mean, I get your point, but at the same time, we've got a pretty deep bullpen already. So when you've got a guy like Hatch, who was always a starter until last year, right? He's a starter throughout the minor leagues. Last year, he was a bullpen guy by necessity with us because of the expanded rosters and obviously not having a super deep relief core. Um, so I think they're going to let him go back to what he has always been. And we'll see that with a lot of guys in the Myers this season who were just weren't stretched out all at all last year. We'll see a lot of guys start that through some relief. And I think Hatch will... Um, this is kind of a prove-it year for him as a starting pitcher because we know what he can do in relief. So they'll give him this season in AAA maybe a late season call-up or injury replacement for a spot start here and there. But I'd like to see what Hatch can do over a full season of AAA starts and before we make any decisions on him going forward. Yeah, once he's at 100%, he'll be either the first or second call-up. I would agree with that. Yeah, He's probably he's probably above Zoik uh, because he has the MLB experience and he, he was effective last year. Yeah, so whereas Zoik really hasn't been. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Zoik threw the no-hitter two years ago if you remember um yeah but that was even though that was triple a and that was impressive he hasn't done anything in mlb it hasn't translated yeah (laughs) no but so i'd say call up number one is probably anthony k call up number two is probably thomas hatch yep and then uh, depending on where nate lands if nate ends up being in triple a he would be call up number uh number two behind anthony k so i mean we'll see yeah, um, the next game was the Blue Jays 5, the Trashbirds, a.k.a. the Baltimore Orioles, 0. Robbie Ray came out through four shutout innings, didn't give up a hit, walked two, struck out three. He was keeping the ball in play, which you love to see from Ray, not leaving the yard. 
Uh, Frankie Liriano gave up two walks, but struck out two in an over his inning of relief. Dolis struck out two. Romano gave up a hit and then did what Romano does and struck out the side. And Ryan Baraki came out and threw some heat and, and struck out his his bat three batters that he faced as well, too. Uh, Jays won that game uh, through, after eight innings. Uh, there was no need to pitch the ninth. So uh, what were your thoughts on Robbie Ray? He's looked really good so far this spring. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, he's got his control back. Uh, he, I mean, he's walking, he's walked a couple guys, but I mean, it's spring training. You yeah. walk guys, you're not going up there trying to attack the plate. Like you're it's, you know, bottom of the ninth game seven world series. Yeah. He it's, was mentioning too, that he felt that his misses were really close. Like it wasn't like he was in the dirt yeah. or like missing high and wide. He they just thought the plate. So like pitchers pitches <laughs> he's looked he's looked great in spring yeah. training this combination that we have it's been rolled out every day or two or probably every second day uh lariano dolis romano baraki yeah they all feed into one another so well they all have different ways of pitching um and because liriano is a very crafty veteran and then you've got a flamethrower like romano ryan baraki uh is still to me you know, a baby burly type where he doesn't have the most overwhelming stuff, but he, he can fool you. He's got tricks up his sleeve. Uh, and obviously Raphael Dolis compliments uh, these guys very well with his stuff. Yeah. Just, th- this was a really impressive game. I know it's the Orioles who are a joke, but <laughs> to, to only concede one hit and four walks in eight innings and strike out 13 this little combo that we have going of Liriano, Dolis, Romano, Baraki, I'm telling you guys now, when we get into the regular season, these four guys are going to pitch together a lot. And when they do, you're going to see stat lines that look like this, where they'll go out and they'll blank a lot of teams because their stuff is so different. Uh, and they're all feeding into one another right now. It's a very cool little quadruple or quadruple. I don't know exactly how you say it, but... <laughs> These uh these two pairs these four of a kind, uh they're doing really good stuff uh, in spring training so far. Yeah, uh, offensively, Kevin Biggio had a big day. He was two for two with a walk, a double, a home run, and three RBIs. Uh, Alejandro Kirk he had he was two for three with an RBI, which was a Kevin Biggio run. Um, yeah. those two guys, like, Biggio has had like a, a decent spring with the power numbers. He hasn't been hitting the ball uh, a lot but when he does it seems to be extra bases which you love to see from him and then Kirk's just been hot which we'll talk about here shortly but you love to see that uh your thoughts on these two guys in that game Patrick uh B- this is what I expect from Biggio he is uh mostly a power hitter uh who has excellent a plus plus vision at the plate so he's going to draw you walks, he's going to hit doubles, and he's going to hit home runs. Is Biggio doing Biggio things? Yeah. Uh, and Kirk is making it increasingly more difficult uh, on Danny Jansen when it comes to what the season's going to look like as far as a split between the two of them um, as uh, the starter and backup catcher. Yeah, I'm less worried if I'm Danny Jansen. I'm more worried if I'm Reese McGuire, but that's another topic. Uh, <laughs> The next game, which was today's game, the Yankees did defeat the Blue Jays 5-1. to one. The Blue Jays scored a run in the top of the second, and the Yankees got all five of theirs in the top of the ninth. Uh, C.J. Van Eyck, rough day for him. 
one of our draft picks from last summer. Uh, he didn't get an out. He gave up two hits, walked three, and had, was charged with five earned runs. We had to bring in Anthony Castro to mop up the damage. He struck out three, walked one, gave up a hit, which did score a runner out that, that Van Eyck had left on base. But rough game for Van Eyck. But the highlights on the pitching side, everybody else, really. Alec Manoa, three perfect innings, struck out seven. Only two balls put in play by the Yankees today against him. Simeon Woods-Richardson, three innings as well. Gave up only two hits and struck out three. Uh, Jackson Reese pitched an inning, gave up a walk and a couple strikeouts. King Clough, Adam Kloffenstein pitched an inning, gave up a hit and walked one. And then, of course, the Van Eyck blunder came through before Castro mopped it up. Offensively, only two hits today. Guriel doubled and scored Vladdy, who had walked. And Jordan Groshans had a single today as well, too, which is his first hit of the spring in, I believe, nine at-bats. Um, so, yeah, they love to see the pitching from the young kids at the beginning of the game. And then, of course, just one rough one rough outing end of this game. But your thoughts on Manoa, Patrick? How, is, how has he been able to just, like, basically dominate this spring so far? He's, just, he's a big boy. He's got a lot of power. He also came into camp with the right mentality. There were a lot of tweets uh uh coming from him directly when he first uh, yeah. jumped on uh to uh to reporting uh way back in February he was ready to attack and he did so today this wasn't exactly the varsity yankees coming out with their letter jackets and their handsome looks and their, <laughs> their power home runs their but, lack um, of beards yeah and uh manoa was manoa was great simeon Wood, woods richardson was great uh, Reese was was great. Kloffenstein was great, uh, and Castro was great. I feel terrible for Van Eyck because somebody was gonna be the goat, uh, and it, it ended up being him. It was a rough outing, but uh, nobody worry. This this kid is gonna be a great pitcher. It's one bad outing. It means very little. Uh, this game win or lose means very little what is good to see though is these young guys are coming into camp and they are making very strong cases for promotions up yeah. to upper echelons manoa looks like he's ready for double a at the very least uh woods richardson looks to be the ace of double a at age 20 i mean the Fisher Cats are going to be good this year, man. <laughs> yeah, They're they are. Really good. They've it's got a good great time. pitching. Good time to be uh, located in Manchester, New Hampshire, because they're going to have some good ball games to watch once the fans can go back to those to that stadium there. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I was I was watching on the the old field cam. Props to the Jays for getting that up. By the way, it's nice to be able to watch baseball even if there's no sound. Um, but it was it was a big contrast between Manoa. Uh, and Davey Garcia, who started for the for the Yankees, who I think is like five foot eight or something, versus Manoa's six six. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was yeah. a big difference between innings. You'd just see like Manoa's kind of blocking the plate with his head, versus you can see the whole field when Garcia was on the mound. But he looked good too. He's a good young pitcher for the Yankees. But uh, yeah, let's get scary into the next segment. Uh, who's hot? Who's not? First time we're doing this this spring. We've had a couple weeks of game action now, so we have some guys that have, I guess. A big enough, more than 10 at-bats in the sample size to, to give us something to, to talk about. We'll probably do one more of these towards the end of the spring as we kind of get into the regular season. But starting off with the hitters. Now, 
the first hot hitter we're talking about today is a guy that many Blue Jays fans, are, or I guess every Blue Jays fan, if you're a real fan, you're hoping he breaks out this year, truly breaks out, and that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So far, he's had only 13 at-bats in the spring, um, 18 plate appearances because of the walks, of course, but he's got five hits, five runs scored. He has one home run, which was a bomb, five RBIs. He's walked five times and only struck out twice. He's got a 385, 550, 615 slash line, so his OPS is sitting at a nice little 1.165 right now. You'll love to see that. Uh, we'll talk we'll, we'll talk about him in a second, but we'll just bring up our second hot hitter too. We'll kind of talk about both these guys here. Uh, Alejandro, Captain Kirk, 10 at-bats, 5 hits with a couple of runs scored, 1 homer, 4 RBIs, 1 walk, 1 strikeout, a 500 average a 538 on base, and an 800 slugging percentage for an OPS of 1338, which is 100% sustainable for a whole a full season. Yeah. Patrick, <laughs> what do you think about these two guys? It's been really nice to see Vladdy hit, and it's been nice to see Kirk really, like we said, up above pressure Jansen and McGuire for a spot on the, on the roster. Who would have thought that the first player in the history of MLB prospects who was given an 80-grade hit tool uh, is finally, you know, doing everything that was expected of him. Yeah, this is not, it's not a surprise. It really should not be news. Um, this is 2019 what, Vladdy coming back again. Yeah. Uh, what What really impresses me about it's uh, this is actually a different level uh, because not only is he getting under the ball a little bit more and, and his his launch angle isn't you know those straight up missiles. Uh, he is getting locked. Uh, he is, you know, able to generate. Uh, he did uh, whack that home run. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he has five walks, that tells me a, a great deal about Vladdy and as far as his mentality at the plate. I understand it's spring training. Guys who want to make the team are swinging away. Vladdy doesn't have to worry about that. He's going to make the team no matter what happens. Um, but still, he's showing a lot of patience at the plate. And, you know, we, we've talked about it a million times, but Vladdy, his floor is, you know, a 280 hitter. Yeah. That's his floor. His ceiling, we have yet to figure it out because, you know. I mean, he hit 367 in the minors in 2019, so. <laughs> yeah, and he still, I don't, even, I don't think he has 100 games under his belt yet. Yeah. So, I mean. And if he does, he might have like a little bit over. We don't have enough statistics to figure out uh, what Vladdy's going to be. So this is it. This is going to be Vladdy's breakout year. He's what, 21? Uh, Vladdy is 21, yep. He'll be 21? turning 22 in a couple days. <laughs> yep. His birthday so, is the 16th of March. So he'll be 22 years old uh, yep. and with his whole career in front of him. Yeah. This this is the real Vladdy. So as for Kirk, Kirk is I said it before, Kirk is making Danny Jansen look like an absolute fool right now. Uh the more days that pass where Kirk hits like this and Jansen hits like he's hitting, and a sixty forty split seems less reasonable. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, we I would love to see Kirk push Jansen for the starter's job. I mean, you want you want guys to push. You don't want to have to just like give it to the the guy who's performing the least the least terribly like we did last year with with our catching situation. Um but yeah, it, I'd love to see Kirk just come out smack 280 and just push push for more playing time. That's what you want to see on a on a team that needs to win now. Um looking at 
the opposite side now. A couple of guys who have not been hitting well. Surprising name on this list, but we've got Bo Bichette here. Now, Bo's got two hits and a couple of runs scored in 16 at-bats. Only one RBI. He's done a, a non-characteristically Bo Bichette thing. He's walked five times and struck out five times. Now, I, I don't know. I, I need to look up how many walks Bo had over, over the total of last season, but uh, averages at 125. The on-base at 333, and of course the slugging is similar at 125 because he only got a couple of singles so far. Um, Bo hasn't really been hitting the ball hard so far this spring, Patrick. Are you, are you worried about Bo Bichette at all? No, I'm actually excited about Bo Bichette more so because uh, he does have five blocks. He's, he's yeah. displaying a great deal of patience at the plate. He's not hitting like his life depends on it. He is taking his time. Um <laughs> You know, two hits, and he'd be hitting 250, and he'd have a higher OBP. He'd have a uh, his slug would probably be four times higher than it is now. It's it's a non-issue. He's just he's a bit cold, but it's yeah. spring training, so who cares? And for reference, uh, in 29 games, 120 or 128 played appearances last season, he only had five walks. So he's got more walks or as many walks as he did all of last season. Through yeah. 21 plate appearances in spring training, so maybe this maybe this is a new Boba Shet. Who knows? He's clearly <laughs> he's clearly workshopping something right now. He's there's clearly a very like concentrated effort to do something right now. Yeah, I'd also be curious to see the quality of pitching he's been facing because it could also be yeah. some some guys who just aren't very good at throwing strikes. That could be a thing too, but we'll we'll see what happens as as we roll through the rest of spring. If those numbers continue to be consistent, maybe we'll see something uh, be seeing something different from Bo. Um, the other guy on the not side, we kind of had to put him in here because of the play of Alejandro Kirk. But Danny Jansen, now he's only got two hits, just like Bo, through 15 at bats. He's got a run scored on a on a home run that he hit, a couple RBIs. He has walked four times, which he's always done a lot of, and struck out six times. The walk and strikeout numbers, those are great. You'd love to see a close ratio there. Home run is nice from Danny, but he's got to put the ball in play a lot more uh, to raise that batting average. You can't have a catcher who hits like he has through throughout his time in the big leagues so far. Uh, and like we just said, yeah, Kirk's going to push him for playing time. Um, the 60-40 thing is is going to be tough to uphold if if the the offensive numbers keep looking the way they do now, especially when both guys are right-handed batters. You don't have any sort of uh, handedness argument. It's going to be the guy who ends up uh, playing better offensively who's going to roll with this. Yep, he's in trouble. Um, <laughs> I'd rather have a catcher who can drive in lots and lots and lots of runs uh, and get on base a lot and score a lot and be okay defensively than a guy who's great defensively but can't hit his way out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> You need to score runs to win baseball games, and Danny Jansen cannot be – our catching spot in the lineup cannot be a black hole uh, again this year because there were a lot of instances last season where, you know, a hit, a timely hit from Danny Jansen could have busted a game wide open. Yeah, you're very, you're very, very right. Uh, moving on to the rubber now and to the pitching side of things, a couple of guys who we need to be hot are very hot right now. Uh, Robbie Ray, he has pitched in three games so far this spring, covering eight and a third innings, a 2.16 ERA, two hits allowed, two runs given up. He's only allowed one home run, has walked four, but struck out 11. Opponents are hitting 0.71, and his whip is 0.72. 
that almost looks like that's like kind of like the ideal like uh, one start line for Robbie Ray, eight innings and eleven strikeouts. I think you would take that any day of the week. He's ramping up in his most recent outing. Uh, obviously, we just covered it above, but he threw was able to throw four innings uh, and and give up two walks and three strikeouts. So you'd love to see that. Uh, Patrick, has Robbie Ray uh, shown you th- that he can be our number two starter this spring? Um, I'm not 100% sold on it because it is spring training, but yep. everything that we've seen from him is exactly what we had hoped to see from him in the spring. Uh, w- Using today or the stat line as of today, stats with uh, 8.1 innings pitched, uh, 11 strikeouts, two hits, two earned runs, one home run, four walks. If that if we got that every five five games from him, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I'll take I'll take the over on 85 wins. <laughs> we'll we'll win more than 85 games. We'll make yeah, the playoffs. 100. Um, percent Another guy who we went out and we traded for him in the off season. Steven Matz. He has pitched in two games so far. Five innings, has yet to give up a run, has only allowed two hits, hasn't walked a batter, and has struck out six, a 125 opponent's batting average, and a 0.40 whip. Matz is looking to lock down that fifth rotation spot, and I think he has done so. Yep. <laughs> Pretty simple yeah, stuff here. Absolutely. What what interests me the most about him is uh, because well I mean he's a lefty. Um, I'm I'm not wild about having back to back lefties going from Mats to Ryu, but whatever it's fine. Uh, if we're not gonna mix and mingle or whatever, maybe Matt's shown enough really that I'm, I'd kind of be cool to see what he could do at number four, and then have number five be you know either a bullpen day probably or tennis row work. Or Ross Stripling, yeah. or Rourke will probably be the f- number three guy, yeah. even though he probably shouldn't. Um, he'll be the number three guy until he loses it. But I love having the number five spot in the rotation be anybody's games. Like we're, we are going to see, like I'm calling it now, we are going to see Ross Stripling start in that position. We'll also see Anthony K do it when he gets called up. We'll see TJ Zoic get at least a shot at it. Trent Thornton probably will make this team, uh, and he will probably um, be either the long reliever or this number five. Um, there's just there's a lot of guys. There's like six or seven guys who can be the number five guy, and we don't have to decide straight out of camp who the number five locked in is. Um, Steven Matz has done a great job of locking up number four, which is what we needed. We need a strong front part of the rotation yeah i'm okay i'm okay with starting by committee at number five or having it a bullpen day it worked for us last year we made the playoffs so yeah no yeah matt's has looked great and i'm with you i i we know we know how i feel about left-handed pitchers so i'm just gonna say that i love to see this guy pitching well because i think that uh if he can really figure out those home run issues that have played in the last couple of years it's going to be a, a game changer for the blue jays rotation uh yeah. Into the the not-so-hot pitchers, we've got two guys who were battling for roster spots. Uh, A.J. Cole, we brought him back. He's obviously pitched decently well for us last year in a bullpen role. We brought him back on a minor league deal. He has appeared in three games, has a 9 ERA. He blew a save opportunity. 
uh, has only pitched three innings, has given up four hits, three runs, while walking one and striking out four. The alarming thing for him is that he hasn't really been consistent. He's had trouble every time out there. have been base runners. Um, I don't really see AJ Cole pushing anybody off the active roster, so he's probably going to be a AAA reliever unless he elects to go to free agency if he doesn't want to stick with that. But uh, do you see any way AJ Cole makes this team at this point in the spring, Patrick? Not anymore, no. And it's not necessarily because of like the stats that we've seen. Um, because other guys are pitching better. <laughs> he just doesn't, yeah, like compared to everybody else, he just doesn't look like he's in a position to be ready uh, to, to, to take on responsibility at the start of the season. It's it's okay. It, it doesn't mean that we're going to, you know, uh, release him immediately. Uh, and it doesn't even necessarily mean that he'll be uh, outrighted. Uh, is he on the 40 man right now? No, he's on a minor league deal, so he's not. Yeah, so like there, there's no... There's no pressure. <laughs> there's no pressure for him to get better or you're done. Yeah. If he ends up being a triple-A arm that gets a call-up if we have an injury, that's totally fine. That's There's no expectation at this point for A.J. Cole. He was okay last year. Uh, I was glad to see that he got you know the call from us to come back and see what he can do. It's kind of similar to a panic situation where both he yeah. and panic are here on minor league deals there's not really a lot of pressure for them to make the team if they make the team great if they don't make the team you know that was what was expected anyway so whatever keep them around see you know keep them around have them interact with the players see you know see what kind of uh, reputation he has in the in the club maybe he ends up you know becoming a coach who knows there's, <laughs> there's just a lot of there's a lot of time left for us to figure it out. Yeah, uh, our, our second guy on this list is a guy who pitched himself off of the 40-man roster and into a, into a DFA, and that's Jake Vegas Pack. Uh, yeah, Vegas Pack was a guy we had acquired from the Phillies for Aaron Loop a couple seasons ago. Uh, a guy who was looked at as a potential like four or five starter in the big leagues. In his two games so far this spring, they were not pretty. He has pitched to a 27 ERA, and that's because he has given up four runs over an inning and a third on five hits, two home runs allowed. He's walked one and hasn't struck out a batter. He has a 500 opponent's batting average and a 450 whip. Obviously, that's a small sample size, but it was bad enough uh, that he pitched himself off of the roster. So the Jays do have a free slot on that 40-man, thanks to Jake. He did pass through waivers, uh, was outright to AAA Buffalo, and is back at uh, is still at camp, um, and he could theoretically pitch in games for us anytime because he's on the on our minor league roster. But yep. uh, it's it's a little bit uh, a little bit poor for him that he was kind of seen as a guy who could have potentially pushed for either like a high up AAA starting spot or maybe even big league depth, and he yeah. just didn't he just didn't do it at all. Yeah, this is this one is a uh, quite the gut punch because I had expected him to compete. Uh, for a rotation spot, um, maybe not necessarily with a big club. I, I know I talked him up a lot uh, yeah. in our uh, earlier episodes when the season ended, um, and he just he hasn't looked that great in uh, you know in spring training. And I think this will be an opportunity for him to uh, to test himself as far as adversity uh, goes. He, there's still tons of time to figure things out. 
um, he could end up finding himself back on the 40 man. Because uh, he's he's off the 40 man now, right? Yep. Ugh, yeah, it sucks. But I mean, like, there is an open slot. Um, I don't know who's currently not on the 40 man who might have earned their way on. Liriano the and Panic are two guys who are not yeah. on the 40 man roster. Uh, Liriano certainly has. Yeah, he's been heavily used this spring as we give him that every opportunity to earn that spot. I mean, so far he has. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with you that he has, and Waggis Pack has certainly lost it. Um, but it's only one season, you know. They still retain the rights to Waggis Pack. He cleared, so you know, maybe a good season in AAA, and he, you know, give him the old reset. You know, not being on the forty man sucks because it means you're probably going to play the year uh, in the minors, like coming off of the forty man. Uh, yeah. which it's a it's a shitty feeling but wags pack has to take this the same way any professional athlete would which is this is a business uh we got to go with our best 40 on the 40 man roster to protect them to keep them around uh right now he's not uh, yeah doesn't mean he won't be again in the future um we've seen guys uh get shelled hard uh during spring training and even during the mlb season like thomas panone and and they kind of evaporate into the distance. So hopefully Waggis Pack uh, doesn't. Uh, this will be a good year for him to sort of figure out whether or not, you know, this is going to work for him or not. Yeah, bef- before we wrap things up, I got one thing I'm going to throw at you on the spot here. What's the position battle the rest of the way through the spring that you're, that you're watching the most? Uh, it's got to be the bullpen. It's got to be trying to figure out who fills up uh some of those slots and i mean i've said it before that little combination of liriano dolis Borucki, uh and uh and romano they've been lights out they've been great what about kirby yeah. yates do you think that who, who wins the closer role in that bullpen uh yates yates just has this overwhelming stuff uh we'll probably continue to close by committee because charlie montoya is not gonna pigeonhole himself into having uh some like a go-to guy because when we had ken giles and he was pushed he ended up getting injured and then he missed a year and now he's gone onto another team and he's still injured so i mean i i just think we're past the point where you know the days of like troy percival's and billy wagner's and uh trevor hoffman i think those days are dead and i think we're looking at a lot more teams will close by committee uh, we know the Rays certainly will, uh, and they're the team that we have to beat every time we play them um, because I don't know if we have the firepower to keep up with the Yankees. We'll we'll have to see, but, it, you know, we, we have to finish in second place if we're going to make the playoffs. Like we, we've got to be – we've got to be able to beat up on those other teams. So if that means mixing it up with the closer role, maybe sometimes it's a lefty, sometimes it's a righty. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, for me, for me, I'm watching um, kind of the, the backup infielder competition. We haven't seen a lot of Santiago Espinal this spring. No. Uh, we've seen a little bit of Joe Panic, so I'm I'm looking to see which one of those two guys. One of the, one of them is going to grab the the backup infield spot coming out of camp. Obviously, Panic is on the outside looking in because he is not on the forty man roster, and Espinal has some experience from last season. They both do with us, obviously. But I'm watching those two guys to see who gets that that role. 
And I also really want to see uh, I want to see Ready to Les continue to swing a hot bat as well too. I want I want him to push for for everyday DH spots, uh, which would mean obviously one of Randall Grichuk and Tasker Hernandez won't play as much. But I'm really I'm really watching that backup infielder role because I think that's going to be very important. You need a guy who can play multiple positions, and both of those guys do. So I'm curious to see which one of them uh, plays well enough to grab it. Um, but uh, that's going to be it for us today. Episode 115 is in the books. We will be back midweek with another episode. Until then, check us out on Twitter at BFMD Podcast at our brand new website, bfmdpodcast.com. We are hosted on Anchor. You can hear us there as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and so much more. For Patrick Marsh out in Halifax, Nova Scotia, it's Justin Anderson here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, saying see you next time.